0: Listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, head on over to Facebook and find the group, The Mystical City of God in a Year podcast, and there you'll be able to interact with other listeners. Now let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria. All good and holy God, we thank you for the life of your servant Maria of Agreda. May we follow her holy example and shun the allurements of the world and abandon ourselves to your perfect will. Like her, may we enter into the quiet of heartfelt prayer and find your presence deep in the silence of our souls. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Immaculate Conception, may we pursue with deepest longing a profound purity of heart, mind, and body. By the prayerful help of Venerable Maria of Agreda, may we become holy and radiate the light and life of Christ to all we meet. Amen. Today is day number 116, and we are reading from Volume 2. Chapter 17, Paragraphs 223-230 to 230. 223, And as the mercies of the Most High overflowed from Mary's plentitude to the whole human race, and as she was the portal of heaven, through which they issued and continued to issue, and through which we are to enter into the participation of the divinity, therefore, she confessed that the mercy of the Lord in regard to her spread out over all generations, communicating itself to them that fear Him. And just as the infinite mercies raise up the humble and seek out those that fear God, so also the powerful arm of divine justice scatters and destroys those who are proud in the mind of their heart and hurls them from their thrones in order to set in their place the poor and the lowly. This justice of the Lord was exercised in wonderful splendor and glory upon the chief of all the proud, Lucifer and his followers, when the almighty arm of God scattered and hurled them, because they themselves precipitated themselves from their exalted seats, which befitted their angelic natures and their graces, and which they occupied according to the original. Isaiah 14, Apocalypse 12, Decree of the Divine Love. For by it he intended that all should be blessed. 1 Timothy 2, four, While they, in trying to ascend in their vain pride to positions which they neither could attain nor should aspire to, on the contrary cast themselves from those which they occupied. Isaiah 14.13 In their arrogance... They were found opposed to the just and inscrutable judgments of the Lord, which scattered and cast down the proud angel and all his followers. Apocalypse 12.8 In their place were installed the humble of heart through the mediation of Most Holy Mary, the mother and the treasure house of his ancient mercies. 2.24 For the same reason this Divine Lady says and proclaims that God enriches the needy, filling them with the abundance of his treasures of grace and glory, and those that are rich in their own estimation and presumptuous arrogance, and those who satisfy their heart with the false goods which the world esteems as riches and happiness, the Most High has banished and does banish from his presence because they are void of the truth, which cannot enter into hearts filled and occupied with falsehood and deceit. He received his servants and his children, the people of Israel, remembering his mercies in order to teach them, wherein prudence, truth, and understanding, Baruch 3.14, wherein free and abundant life and nourishment, wherein the light of the eyes and peace consists. He taught them the way of prudence and the hidden paths of wisdom and discipline, which is concealed from the princes of the Gentiles, and is not known to the powerful who dominate over the beasts of the earth and entertain themselves and play with the birds of the air and heap up treasures of gold and silver. Nor can the sons of Agdar and the inhabitants of Taman, who are the wise and the proudly prudent of this world, ever attain this wisdom. But to those that are sons of the light, Galatians 3.7, and who are sons of Abraham by faith, hope, and obedience, the Most High distributes it. For in this manner has it been promised to his posterity and his children, made secure by the blessed and happy fruit of the virginal womb of the Most Holy Mary. 2.25 St. Elizabeth, looking upon Mary, the Queen of Creation, understood these hidden mysteries. And not only those which I am able to express here did this fortunate matron understand, but many more and greater sacraments which my understanding cannot comprehend, nor do I wish to dilate upon all that have been shown to me, lest I unduly extend this history But the sweet discourses and conversations which these two holy and discreet ladies held with each other reminded me of the two seraphim, which Isaiah saw above the throne of the Most High, repeating the divine and always new canticle, Holy, Holy, Holy. While they covered their head with one pair of wings, their feet with another, flew with the third pair, Isaiah 6.2. It is certain that the inflamed love of these two holy women exceeded that of all the seraphim, and Mary by herself loved more than altogether. They were consumed in the flame of divine love, extending the two wings of their hearts in order to manifest to each other their love and in order to soar into the most exalted intelligences of the mysteries of the Most High. With two more wings of rarest knowledge— they covered their faces because both of them discussed and contemplated the sacrament of the king, Tobit 12.7, guarding its secrets within themselves all their lives, also because they restrained their discourse and subjected it to their devoted faith without giving scope to proud inquisitiveness. They also covered the feet of the Lord and their own with the third pair of seraphic wings, because they were lowered and annihilated in their own humble estimation of themselves at the sight of such great majesty moreover since most holy mary enclosed within her virginal womb the god of majesty himself we can with reason with literal truth say that she covered the seat with the lo- which she covered the seat where the lord sat enthroned 226 when it was time to come forth from their retirement saint elizabeth offered herself and her whole family and all her house for the service of the Queen of Heaven. She asked her to accept as a quiet retreat the room which she herself was accustomed to use for her prayers, and which was much retired and accommodated to that purpose. The heavenly princess accepted the chamber with humble thanks, and made use of it for recollecting herself and sleeping therein, and no one ever entered it except the two cousins. As for the rest she offered to serve and assist Elizabeth as a handmaid, for she said that this was the purpose of her visiting and consoling her. Oh, what friendship is so true, so sweet and inseparable, as that which is formed by the great bond of the divine love! How admirable is the Lord in manifesting this great sacrament of the Incarnation to three women, before he would make it known to anyone else in the human race! For the first was St. Anne, as I have said in its place. The second was her daughter, and the mother of the word Most Holy Mary. The third was Saint Elizabeth, and conjointly with her her son, for being yet in the womb of his mother cannot be considered as distinct from her. Thus, the foolishness of God is wiser than men, as Saint Paul says. 2.27. The Most Holy Mary and Elizabeth came forth from their retirement at nightfall, having passed a long time together, and the queen saw Zachariah standing before her in his muteness, and she asked him for his blessings as from a priest of the Lord, which the saint also gave to her. Yet, although she tenderly pitied him for his affliction, she did not exert her power to cure him, because she knew the mysterious occasion of his dumbness. Yet she offered a prayer for him. Saint Elizabeth who already knew the good fortune the most chaste spouse of Joseph, although he himself as yet was not aware of it, entertained and served him with great reverence and highest esteem. After staying three days in the house of Zechariah, however, he asked permission of his heavenly spouse Mary to return to Nazareth and to leave her in the company of St. Elizabeth in order to assist her in her pregnancy. The Holy Husband left them with the understanding that he was to return in order to accompany the Queen home as soon as they should give him notice. St. Elizabeth offered him some presents to take home with him, but he would take only a small part of them, yielding only to their earnest solicitations. For this man of God was not only a lover of poverty, but was possessed of a magnanimous and a noble heart. Therewith he pursued his way back to Nazareth, taking along with him the little beasts of burden which they had brought with them. At home, in the absence of his spouse, he was served by a neighboring woman and cousin of his, who also, when most holy Mary was at home, was wont to come and go on the necessary errands outside the house. Instruction which the Queen and Lady gave me, 228. My daughter... In order that thy heart be ever more and more inflamed with the desire of gaining the grace and friendship of God, I wish very much that thou grow in the knowledge of the dignity, excellence, and happiness of a soul that has been endowed with this privilege. However, remember that it is so admirable and of so great a value that thou canst not comprehend it, even if I would explain it to thee, and much less canst thou express it in words." Look upon the Lord and contemplate him by means of the divine light, which thou receivest. And then thou wilt understand that the Lord performs a greater work in justifying a soul than in having created all the orbs of heaven and the whole earth with all the beauty and perfection contained within them. And if, on account of the wonders which creatures are able in part to perceive in these works by the senses, they are impressed with the greatness and power of God, What would they say and think if they could see with the eyes of their soul the preciousness and beauty of grace in so many creatures who are capable of receiving them? 2.29. There are no terms of human language equal to the task of expressing what participation and perfections of God are contained in sanctifying grace. It is little to say that it is more pure and spotless than snow, more refulgent than the sun, more precious than gold or precious stones, more charming, more more amiable and pleasing than all the most delightful feasts and entertainments, and more beautiful than all that in its entirety can be imagined or desired by the creatures. Take notice also of the ugliness of sin." In order that by the opposite thou mayest come to so much the better understanding of the beauty of grace. For neither darkness nor rottenness, nor the most humble, the most dreadful, nor the foulest of creatures can ever be compared to sin and its ugliness. The martyrs and saints understood much of this mystery. Hebrews 11.36 Who in order to secure the beauty of grace and preserve themselves from the ruin of sin did not fear fire nor wild beasts, nor the sword, nor torment, nor prisons, ignominies, pains, afflictions, nor death itself, nor prolonged and perpetual suffering. For to escape all these must be counted for little or nothing, and must scarcely be thought of in comparison with the one degree of grace which souls may attain, even though they may be the most abject of the whole world. All this the men who esteem and seek after the fugitive and apparent beauty of creatures are ignorant of and whatever does not present to them this deceitful beauty is for them vile and contemptible. 2.30 Thou perceivest, therefore, something of the greatness of the blessings which the Incarnate Word conferred upon his precursor in the womb of his mother, and because St. John recognized that he leaped for joy and exultation in the womb of his mother, thou wilt also see what thou thyself must do and suffer in order to attain this happiness, and in order not to lose or in the least impair his most precious beauty by any fault, nor retard its consummation by any perfection, no matter how small. I wish that in imitation of my cousin Elizabeth, thou do not enter into any friendship with any human creatures, except those with whom thou canst and shouldst converse, about the works of the Most High and of his mysteries, and with whom thou canst learn to pursue the true path of the divine pleasure. Although thou art engaged in important undertakings and works, do not forget or omit thy spiritual exercises and the strictness of a perfect life. For this must not only be preserved and watched over when all things go smoothly, but also under the greatest adversity, difficulty, and labor, For imperfect human nature takes occasion of the slightest circumstances to relax its vigilance. This concludes our reading today for day number 116. We have been reading from chapter 17 of volume 2. Today we read paragraphs 223 to 230. I've said this before in relation to the mediation of grace, and we see it here today in our reading as well, this image of What overflows from Mary to all of us? And that's something I think we just need to take in. And as the mercies of the Most High overflowed from Mary's plenitude to the whole human race, and as she was the portal of heaven through which they issued and continue to issue and through which we are to enter into the participation of the divinity, that God's mercy first received by Mary Because in the Immaculate Conception, God foresaw the merits of the cross, the mercy of the cross, and applied it to her. This mercy that she has received overflows to all of us. The same is true. You are full of grace, Mary. Well, in that fullness of grace, that grace that overflows to us. You are a virtuous woman, Mary. Well, that virtue, that example overflows to us which we are to enter into the participation of the divinity. That in order, that's an interesting phrase, but it really encapsulates to Jesus through Mary, that through Mary we arrive at the Godhead, that through Mary we participate in the divinity. There was a title of Mary that Maria Vagreta wrote treasure house of his ancient mercies. God has been merciful from ancient times, and he's merciful to the present day. It is certain that the inflamed love of these two holy women exceeded that of all the seraphim, and Mary by herself loved more than they altogether. The love that Mary has for God The love that Mary has for people surpasses that of all the angels and all the saints and all of humanity because her love is a pure love. In the instruction which the Blessed Mother gave, she spoke about the beauty of grace. What would they say and think if they could see with the eyes of their soul the preciousness and beauty of grace in so many creatures who are capable of receiving them? Take notice also of the ugliness of sin in order that by the opposite thou mayest come to so much the better understanding of the beauty of grace. God has bestowed his graces upon you and upon me and those are beautiful graces. We received sanctifying grace through baptism. We receive sacramental grace every time that we celebrate one of the sacraments. Imagine the beauty of our souls after we've received Holy Communion in the state of grace without serious sin. What God does, Holy Communion forgives venial sin. Imagine what our soul, the beauty of grace, what it looks like after the Sacrament of Reconciliation when everything we've done has been wiped away. Maybe we can see at times. I think this is true. Meet a nun. Meet a cloistered nun who lives separated from the world, like Maria of Agreda, for example. I was at her monastery. I met the nuns there, and they radiate the joy and the love of Christ. There's a certain beauty in their soul It's the beauty of grace, and maybe they become an icon. The religious become an icon of the beauty of grace. And finally, Mary says, Thou wilt also see what thou thyself must do and suffer in order to attain this happiness, and in order not to lose or in the least impair this most precious beauty by any fault, nor retard its consummation. She says, In the leaping of John the Baptist in the womb, you also can attain this happiness. It might mean suffering, yes, but one day you will have true happiness like this. Of course, that true happiness will be life forever in the kingdom of heaven, where we will dance with joy before the Lord and maker of all the earth, and our Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ, and Mary and all the saints. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and Mary pray for you.